Welcome to Tordi Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Rachel Besser, and today we'll be studying Parshat Shemini. After the seven days of Miluim, after the days of putting up the Mishkan and getting everything started, this Parsha starts with the eighth day, which is the opening day. And as all opening days, there is a big ceremony. All of B'nai Israel gather at the Mishkan to watch as Aaron offers korbanot Tashem on his own behalf as well as on behalf of the people. After giving all of these korbanot, Moshe and Aaron bless B'nai Israel, and the kavod of Hashem, the glory of God's presence, appears at the Mishkan. In the culmination of the ceremony, we read in chapter 9, verse 24, Hashem, there came forth a fire from before Hashem, and it consumed all of the korbanot and the fat that were on the Mizbeach, on the altar. And when all of the people saw that fire, they shouted, and then they fell on their faces. After this moving and awe-inspiring event of the dedication of the Mishkan, tragedy strikes. Nadav and Avihu, the two elder sons of Aaron, important Kohanim in their own right, each take a shovel full of ketoret, the spice korban, and bring it as an offering in the Mishkan. The Pasuk comments that their ketoret, their offering, was an ish zarah, asher lotzivautam. It was a strange fire that was, they were not commanded to do. In response, we have a terse Pasuk which contains so much pathos and ambiguity as to what happened to Nadav and Avihu. A fire shot out from before God, and it consumed them. And they died there in the Mishkan before God. Moshe is now tasked with the unhappy job of telling his brother Aaron at the height of his celebration and the apex of his service to the community as he has just dedicated the Mishkan, which will be his place to serve God and to bring B'nai Israel close, that within that celebration and that ceremony, his two sons have been killed while in service to God. Moshe says one verse to his elder brother in chapter 10, verse 3. B'krovai akadesh. I will show myself holy to those who come near me, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Aaron responds in a manner that echoes silently in all Jewish history since. He says nothing at all. He is quiet. After the tragedy, the Torah discusses how the laws of Avelut, of mourning, should apply to this particular case. How does their public priestly service interact with their private mourning? How can and should Aaron and his other two sons behave when they are in the middle of a private tragedy and yet need to continue serving the nation in their public role? The Parsha finishes with various laws of Kashrut, including which animals, fish, birds, and insects are able to be eaten and which are not. Until now, in, Parsha, in Sefer Vayikra, we've been examining korbanot based on the interpretation of the Shoresh, the root of the word karov, to come close. This mostly resembles the translation of the word that we use 
Korban is an offering, something that man can give to God in order to develop a relationship with Hashem. Vayikra introduced us to this concept, to the ability of mortal man to connect to the divine through passionate giving. And Sav reminded us that the individual must connect only with God, not only with God, but also with the community. Parshat Shmini presents a different paradigm, one that reflects a different translation of the word korban, not offering, but that of sacrifice or withdrawal. This interpretation is not in opposition to the other one that we have exploring. Rather, it is complementary. It's the other side of the coin. There, the two. This is the the two understandings of what it means to interact with God. So far, we've explored the idea that the reason it is necessary to create a system of giving meat to a God who clearly does not consume it is because we as humans feel close when we give. In this way, God is imminent. God is close to us, involved in our lives. Hashem is our guide, our partner in our daily activities. On the other hand, though, Parshat Shmini explores a very different idea. We are relating to God not as another human being, not as one who is imminent, but as one who is transcendent, not of this world, beyond our human comprehension. In this way, we shrink in awe from his presence and we tremble in fear from his being. Parshat Shmini actually contains within it both aspects of God, both the imminence and the transcendence, and explores both relationships that follow. The beginning of the Parsha, about the eighth day of the Miluim, the opening day, the dedication of the Mishkan, details a joyous rendition of korbanot and the way that the people dedicated these korbanot to God. At the end of the ceremony in chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Vayavo Moshe va'aron el ohol mo'ed, vayitzu vayavachu ata'am, vayirak vod Hashem el kol ha'am. Moshe and Aaron left the Mishkan, they came out and they blessed the nation, and the glory of God could be seen by all of the people. Moshe and Aaron are bless the people, and then the people themselves see the glory of God. They have an intimate experience with the divine. However, this pasuk is immediately followed by another pasuk that tends towards the other direction. Hashem, a fire shoots out from before God, and the fire consumes the korban, and the fats, and the nation is terrified. They scream, and they fall on their faces. Instead of that they see the glory of God, they are scared of their interaction with God when they see God as fire. This reaction to experiencing Hashem's fire consuming the korban is one of awe, of falling on their faces and withdrawal, the exact opposite of when they were blessed by Moshe and Aaron and they were able to see the presence of God. This back and forth of seeing God as imminent, as with you, but also as transcendent, as far from you, as fearful, the, the back and forth, the two sides of intimacy and yet distance are thrust upon us even more so with the story of Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron, who bring a korban that they are not supposed to bring. The text seems deliberately vague when describing their mistake. In only one pasuk, which starts in chapter 10, verse 1, we learn about the entirety of what they did. The two sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, each take their own shovel, and they put a fire on it. 
and they put the spice offering on that fire. And they bring before Hashem a strange fire that he did not command them to do. There was really very little here to help us understand exactly what happened. There's no indication of what the motivation of these two towering figures were. There's only a hint of something being wrong with their actions. It's only the words, this strange fire that they were not commanded to do, which is what tells us that there was a problem altogether. Otherwise, they were just bringing a korban like they had done before. It's very similar to the other psukim that we've read until now about bringing a korban that was wanted by God, that was accepted. God's reaction to Nadav and Avi was swift and terse, as well as being enigmatic and complicated. In verse 2, chapter 10, verse 2, we read, A fire came out from before God and consumed them, and they died before God. What was the nature of this fire? What does it mean that they died before God? What are we... And what are we to make of the clear parallels between the fire that consumed these Kohanim, these sons of Aaron, and the fire that consumed the Korban that was brought just a few psukim before at the end of the dedication ceremony, the one that B'nai Israel saw and caused them to fall on their faces? Moshe's careful words to Aaron that told him of the tragedy also carry worlds within them. I'll show myself holy to those who come near me, and before all the people I will be glorified. These words, we notice, also parallel the korban scene, as does the korban of Nadav and Avihu at the end of the days of Miluim that we read about at the end of the previous chapter. There, the glory of God was before the people, as we read, Vayar kavod Hashem el kol ha'am, that the glory of God was shown to the people. Here, God is again being glorified before the people, but in a very different way. Here, it's through the death of Nadav and Avihu. And finally, Aaron's stunning reaction, or better yet, inaction. Ba'idom Aaron. Aaron was silent. These four psukim have spurred pages upon pages of commentary, elucidating questions such as, what was this enigmatic sin? Where did it come from? What did it represent? Why was Hashem's response so extreme? What was Moshe trying to convey to Aaron? And what was the meaning of Aaron's silence? Each commentator's opinion on what was the nature of the Ish Zarah of Nadav and Avihu, actually what, what actually was it, is elucidating. But I'd like to focus on the reactions of Moshe and Aaron. The Shoresh Karov, Kuf Resh Vet, to come close, is used eight times in Parak Tet, in the chapter about the dedication ceremony. Most notably, it's used three psukim in a row. Um, Verse 15, 16, and 17 all begin with the word vayikrev, that they came close, denoting the bringing of the korban to become close to Hashem. These, this perek and this, this section represents God's imminence, his involvement in the life of people, the people's ability to connect with Hashem. Chapter 10, the perek about Nadav and Avihu's death, is punctuated by a different shoresh, by a different root word. And that is kadosh, kufdalit shin, holiness, which connotes God's separateness from the people. This is God's transcendence, his incomprehensibility, his utter, his utter aloneness, and his inability to be reached. Moshe brings these two words together in his powerful response to Nadav and Avihu's death. Bikrovai akadesh, through my close ones, 
I will be sanctified, I will be made holy. Through And therefore he uses both root words, karav, to come close, and kadosh, to be separate. Note that these are opposite words. And this is, and this does, represent the back and forth with our relationship to Hashem, in our relationship to Hashem. Vayikra and Tzav focus on becoming close, but this parak focuses on the separateness as well, and on the back and forth that we have with God, this dance of coming close and yet being far. Rav David Svi Hoffman notes that the two sides of this, of his, this phrase in his commentary on the word Akadesh, says Rav David Svi Hoffman, et gale ki kadosh, kakol sheben adam mit koreg yoter el Hashem, mechayevhu ledakdeik yoter bimiloi mitzvot Hashem. I am, as much as a person comes closer to Hashem, they have to be much more specific in their mitzvot, in their mitzvah fulfillment. They have to be much more careful. Ulargish yoter amok et kedushato, and to feel even deeper God's separateness, his kadusha, his aloneness, that isur lifgoabo, and the 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 isur, the inability, the the prohibition to hurt God through breaking his mitzvot. As a person comes closer and closer to God, that person also realizes God's greatness and how far one really is from the unknowable God. Therefore, says Rodavid Svi Hoffman, the sin of breaking one of God's laws becomes more stringent as well. Sefer Vayikra teaches us how to interact with God, how to become the nations of priests that we were called to be in Sefer Shmot. But the way to do it is not always simple or monolithic. There are times to come close and there are times to stay far. And there are times where we recognize how far we are through coming close. There's boundless intimacy at the same time as there are mitzvot, boundaries with specific rules. In explaining the sin of Nadav and Avihu, Rav Hirsch comments that the various parts of the offering were incorrectly conceived, but even had they not been, the fact that their korban was asher Hashem, not commanded by God, makes the korban not only invalid, but an offense. For Kirvat Elohim writes Rav Hirsch, the proximity of and getting near to God, which is the purpose of every offering, is only to be found by the way of obedience by compliance with God's will and subordination to it. As we get close, we must realize that there are also boundaries. There are ways to get close, and we cannot break those boundaries. And Nadav and Avihu did. Our own silence is perhaps the opposite of Nadav and Avihu's korban. It does not connote understanding or enlightenment. It connotes acceptance of the will of God, even when it is incomprehensible to a grieving father. Rosalovichik uses this example of Aaron in his essay Catharsis as an example of Givura, heroic inner strength. Halacha, explains the Rav, does not only mandate action, but at times thought as well. A person is not only supposed to not steal something that he or she wants, but also not covet it, not even want the thing that doesn't belong to us. The Torah wants a person like Aaron to, to become a master over his or her emotional world. This type of heroism contrasts directly with the classical understanding of what it means to be a hero. For classical man, writes Rosalovichik, heroism was intrinsically an aesthetic category which fascinated man, which is grandeur and glory. Classical man was concerned with vastness, with conquering, with, aesthet with aesthetics. People watched the classical, classical hero because it gave them a sense of permanence, which would inevitably, inevitably fade as they moved into everyday life.
the cathartic hero, is the opposite. Biblical heroism, writes Rosalvichik, is not ecstatic, but rather contemplative, not loud, but hushed, not dramatic or spectacular, but mute. The individual, instead of undertaking heroic action sporadically, lives constantly as a hero. And it is in this way that Aaron's actions serve as a model for people who must retreat from understanding God's actions in their lives as a totality. Sefer Vayikra is about coming close to God, but also about respecting boundaries and even retreating in the face of God's actions. Vayidom Aaron has been for centuries at once a perplexing and a comforting phrase. Silence in the face of tragedy is sometimes the only answer. Retreat and silence is sometimes the only response. Parshat Shmini is about coming close and about staying far, about the imminence of the kavod Hashem, the glory of God, seen and experienced by the whole nation, but also the cautionary tale of taking that closeness into one's own hands and not minding our own borders. And finally, by the heroic gesture, not of rushing ahead, but of accepting God's will. Thank you for studying Parshat Vayikra together with the OU Women's Initiative.